2: Hello welcome back to Road of Viz Overtime and Road of Biz Radio brought to you by I'm Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin, and I am joined by Sean Siegel, as always here on the show. Sean, we are going to have a I think it's gonna be a super fun show today. We did some drafts recently. I done one with you, it was a hyper fragile draft, you done one solo, and you had a really interesting article up on the website breaking down the ins and outs of how you could maybe guess perfect that approach why you might do that approach and how to enhance your win rates if you do go with a hyper fragile build to start and with hyper fragile we're looking at we're getting those three running backs early and we'll talk about the other things to do to to try and win that uh, as we move forward in today's show but you referenced some of the other work that's up on the website over the last uh, month or so with Connor o'driscoll and there's a lot of fantastic work going up I've, i've done a number of podcasts with Connor recently and we recorded two more this week which will be coming out over the next two weeks coming so fantastic work going from him i'm really enjoying talking to him about those articles getting more in depth on the road of his best ball feed but sean we are going to jump in today into the hyper fragile approach but before we jump into it how are you doing today as we as we get set to record here
3: awesome i've been doing a lot of drafts so much fun getting to share these drafts with you and ben and uh, Zachary Kruger and I are doing a draft. a lot on drafts with Connor and Michael Dubner. You mentioned the articles up on the site. Bjorn Yang-Varnett has a cool piece looking at the RV Triflex dynasty startups that are ongoing. So if you want to get yourself into a dynasty and maybe uh, either your work friends, or your college friends, you're like, man, I've, I've had enough. I don't want to add yet another one or you're enjoying those leagues but you're like i mean these guys just aren't quite active enough i want to have higher stakes i want to be in there with the best dynasty players in the world then go ahead and jump into the rv triflex over at the ffpc i just finished one with matt jones that was a lot of fun so you can check that out we also have some great new pieces up by michael hitchcock who's been doing a great job corbin young both of those authors did a fantastic job on their in-season analysis last year i'm looking forward to working with them again neil dutton our tight end guru has late round tight ends to target in 2022 and we know that that's an important mix right between that elite tight end and the late round tight end if you can hit on both you're going to annihilate your league so that's one of the things that we're really looking to do make sure you check out those pieces but column yeah I'm, I'm excited to get into this and you mentioned connor he's had just a raft of fantastic articles up. And one of the things that we'll be doing today is kind of looking at a combination of, of his work and then how we can integrate some of that with the things that you and I are doing, some of the long-term uh, lessons that Rotovis has had for the Best Ball Workshops that have contributed to these great win rates by our writers, by our readers, One of the things I think is pretty cool is that we've had a lot of, I mean, novice is a little bit of a loaded word, but people who are coming to the format maybe don't have a lot of experience, but they're rotobiz readers, they use the tools, and uh, I mean, we just have unbelievable tools on both the FFPC and the underdog side, read through the workshops, get some experience drafting, you know, do two, three, four, five drafts, and are just having great results right away, which is kind of what I would expect when you combine the structural elements with the player selection elements. But as you mentioned, today we're going to look at Hyperfragile. We just did this draft, so many listeners will have kind of gone through that with us and what our process was. A little bit structurally, a lot, obviously from a picks perspective, we're not going to talk as much about the players today, but the thought process behind using a hyper fragile approach in underdog formats and i have a number of items here when i'm looking at this concept and the first i think every once in a while we'll, we'll get kind of in depth on a topic and then we'll get a flurry of listener questions kind of wanting us to go through some foundational definitions and that's always a good reminder that we need to make sure that everybody is sort of starting from the same page on this now a lot of listeners will know that mike beers uh i mean he is the ultimate best ball guru he built so many of our tools and our new underdog tools that anthony shook and dave Cabin put together are based on a lot of the infrastructure that he built originally for some of the other tools way before all of that happened in somewhat the early days he labeled this sort of extreme best ball approach where you go very running back heavy early and then more or less stop drafting running backs entirely so you have a very running back light overall build he gave that the label hyper fragile which I think is kind of fun and and does give you a sense of what's going on here you're going to need your running backs more or less to stay healthy you're going to need to have them hit on their upside scenarios but Because you're not building in a ton of additional running backs into the overall build, you have a chance to draft even more wide receivers. One of the things that we see a lot is that running back heavy drafters will think that just by taking a volume of wide receivers late that they'll be able to catch up. That's been one of the clearest things that we've argued from the beginning and the community has really come around to over the last couple of years. That simply does not work, right? Right. But if you have a little bit more of a hyperfragile build, you have a better chance, not only because you're starting a little bit early at wide receiver and the total number that you're drafting is so, so high. So I'm kind of looking at this from just a a basic perspective. What do I mean when I'm referring to hyperfragile in articles? I'm looking for uh, the running back three before round six. So basically three of the first five picks are going to be running backs and column in the draft that you and I did we were able to get those players in rounds one and two with taylor and williams then we made that digression for kyle pitts but we come back then and get cam makers in round five in the draft that i did i ended up with travis etienne and jk dobbins in rounds four and five some folks are going to argue that if you're taking those backs in the dead zone like that, if you only have one in the first three, that's a little bit more of a tenuous claim to hyperfragile. But we'll look at how this kind of works as we go through it. Obviously, we've got lots of data from the various roster construction explorers. Is that a good definition for sort of where we're going, setting the stage that we want to have these three running backs early? I mentioned that i took a couple in rounds four and five but obviously those are players that i think have extremely high ceilings
2: yeah and they are the guys that we do think have extremely high ceilings i think you've kind of hit on it there and you mentioned um you know possibly even as far as the fifth round so the key is that we're looking to take real high upside elite running backs in those first four to five rounds possibly the first three rounds and then we're holding off then as, as long as we can but you referenced in the article sean that you know, and we mention it on the show and it's not just because we like to go zero RB or formats off that. Robust running back has really bad success rates and and people want to draft running backs and they will say that these teams won tournaments before and maybe this type of zero RB build hasn't won a specific tournament. But when we look through it on the, the win rate explorer, you know, drafting your running back three before round six has proven to be not good. I think that's the nice way to put it is not good. And when we look at it then through that lens, there is other key parts that hamper those teams. So it's not just the fact that they've taken three running backs before round six. It's a combination in the structure of the rest of the team then. And what we're going to look at today is what are those other key elements to enhance it over the course of your draft. And looking through it, we've talked about this on Underdog before about and and one of the shows I've done with Connor that will be coming out over the next week or so references. The running back value in the format at underdog based on the fact that you know how we can target that flex and, and how it balances over all with that half point ppr format but the big key sean that you referenced to the start to enhance this being probably the easiest thing people could pick up on is drafting the running back three early in the draft but then holding off to running back four till after round nine i think this is the part where the robust running back fails as there's more running backs and uh, those four six runs.
3: Definitely. And you mentioned the really poor win rates. When you pull up the roster construction Explorer, you put those running back those three early running backs in, in the first five rounds. And depending on the total number of running backs that you draft, you're either looking at pretty solid red or dark, dark, dark red in terms <laughs> of your win rates and in terms of your semifinal and final rates. So, That's obviously not the direction that we're going in. The roster points for the regular season on those builds are extremely low. Then you mentioned the first thing you can do is wait for that running back four. And that immediately jumps you up several notches in terms of playoff advance rate, semifinal advance rate, final advance rate, and you get that regular season point average to jump. So that helps us. And and why does that happen? Well, you think about this as being a half PPR format that's going to favor the running backs. I've argued that it actually favors the running backs a little bit more than some of the ADP in the format indicates. And yet one of the things that we see, and this was a key point from Connor's article about whether or not the running back dead zone still exists and contrasting FFPC with underdog, is that when you look at the shape of the scoring in this early round time period, essentially the first four to five rounds that's when wide receivers can hold their own with the running backs in terms of points implied by adp and kind of what history tells us then you have this gap that extends from you know approximately round seven to approximately round 12 where running backs have a really strong advantage now you know kind of what does that mean and what are the ramifications you're looking at a section where as we sort of flip and you always hear, well, wide receiver is deep, wide receiver is deep, wide receiver is deep. It turns out that more or less the opposite is true, right? Where you have the running back dead zone and there are a bunch of running backs there who are very tenuous NFL starters. And year after year, a huge chunk of them either get knocked out or underperform, right? So those players are really hurting you. Then you get into the range that we have historically loved to target with zero RB builds really kind of this round eight to round 12 range where not only do you have some players who are just in pure committees but are better than some of the sort of again tenuous starters where you have a larger first week gap in terms of the expected workload but as the season evolves you're going to have that running back lose that gap fairly quickly, maybe get beaten out entirely. Where in some of these committee situations, you have both backs being fairly talented, one back potentially emerges. We talk all the time about the small gap two backs, which are essentially the second back in a committee where the ADP gap between the two backs is not very large. Historically, the small small gap two backs have put up elite win rates and the logic follows, right? It's not that we're necessarily going out and attacking every small gap to back. So you look at a situation with Devin Singletary and James Cook, and perhaps you're not drafting Cook percentage wise. We've talked about make sure you load up on both, but you think the gap actually ought to be a lot wider. So sometimes you're going to have situations where it's actually the small gap one back that you like. But the point is that in this round 8 to round 12 range, not only is the scoring strong, but the contingency-based upside is extreme to where we have some really large hits from this range. Well, that's obviously very valuable in PPR formats, or you can load up on the wide receivers early, get that scoring punch from them, really dominate the flex positions. I mean, obviously in the FFPC there, you have the two, 2 2 format. And so if you load up on too many running backs and you somehow hit, then that will still work, right? Because you can play a four running back and a two wide receiver lineup. You can't do that in underdog where the best you could get is three to three. But you would probably prefer that the running back in a lot of cases actually be the flex or in the FFPC in all likelihood, the wide receiver is going to be higher scoring but that doesn't necessarily mean that we then want to run up, load up on running backs early because you still have the exploitable range at the running back position is going to be in the same general area, regardless of format. If wide receivers are struggling in underdog to score in this round 7 through 12, 7 through the end of the draft range, then it becomes even more important to make sure that you get those players early. And that's the point that Connor has made so successfully in one of his, I think, very favorite articles for readers, where he talks about the importance of that third wide receiver. So, you know, that brings us back to well, what does this mean for us as hyper fragile drafters and how do we have to approach it? In part, that helps explain why these robust running back win rates have been so low, but it also lets us see then how waiting on the running back four is going to be helpful but also how we can bring in the onesie positions and make sure that we generate a lot of points at those two spots
2: yeah so in the article you talk about that has been kind of the big picture so we've talked about What we're looking to do in terms of the build and we're starting to go into the structure as to if we get those three guys, let's just for simplicity say first round, second round, third round, we're holding off then to round nine, round ten. Basically, if you want to classify them as the zero RB candidates or whatever you want to talk about at that particular point of the draft. But the key thing is if you take those three guys is to hold then to not dive in and, and go for another one. And that can be very hard when maybe in the fifth round somebody you really like is sitting there at the running back position. It's you know, let's let's keep moving, build up your wide receivers or your tight ends. We will talk about tight ends as our third point here. But Sean, you kind of hinted at it there with the onesie positions. The other onesie position to target is the quarterback. And something that Connor pointed out in the hyper fragile article fixing hyper fragile was the lack of quarterback weapons that those hyper fragile drafters are robust running back drafters tend to have because if you start off let's say four or five running backs then you're getting into that round range where you get the elite quarterback options but maybe then you're already thinking yeah i need to get a wide receiver at this point and that's a part of the draft where sometimes we talk about the wide receivers becoming quite flat and then you can pivot to the uh, quarterback position so that is also kind of we're looking here to put stamp these different Things on top of each other to give us more chances to win. But what we see sometimes in those drafts when you look at the early running back approaches that they're actually putting more things on top that are actually countering their chances of success. So the key then is to try and get two quarterbacks in the window. We've talked about that a lot on the show. We probably won't dive too much into the quarterback window element of things here, but it is vital for success and for the win Rich, on to try and get the quarterbacks in the window and not to pass up those opportunities and it can be a case sometimes that you get an elite quarterback and you think i have my guy here i don't need to get a second one now until let's say the 14th 15th round but getting two of those guys and and another, another piece i keep plugging connor's stuff but one of the shows we've done is about his quarterback piece in terms of late round quarterback in 2022 and how the quarterback window has kind of evolved and moved up a little bit because of how the dead zone has changed for the running back position. So I think, you know, I think again, getting those two guys, you know, between round five and round 11 is, is vital.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
3: In the first time that we see ourselves move into the green now in terms of advance rates comes when we add those two QBs in the window one of the things he points out is that hyperfragiles are hyperfragile drafters have historically been the worst at getting that QB firepower whereas all drafters are a little bit under the zero RB drafters tend to to have the best numbers in terms of generating qb points but all drafters could arguably put a lot more into the position and help their win rates and so when we're trying to, to fix hyper fragile or creating this elite hyper fragile approach we look at the numbers and how they fall off in 2021 over 37,000 drafters started with these three running backs in the first five rounds but only 17,000 held off until the double digit rounds for their fourth back but then, even more crucially, only 3,286 then in addition also followed the QB window approach. So, this is very good in that we can see well, number one, these elements, when you stack them, they have increasing advantages. And then, number two, not that many drafters are doing it properly. That's kind of encouraging overall because you do want to have edge over other drafters. But the other element here and something that you get a lot of focus on and perhaps at times even too much focus on is just that this is going to be a unique way to play it you're going to have a unique lineup so that part is also very valuable coming then the next element we talked about drafting Kyle Pitts in both of our leagues and we do have a listener question coming up for a show soon talking about whether or not we are drafting too much Pitts and too early but when we're looking at the elite tight ends here and the value of drafting with an elite tight end, this part is a little bit more controversial. And that I think is great, right? Because if everything was just super clear-cut and you go into your drafts and it's you're a little bit, you know, not on auto pick, but sort of mentally on autopilot because you know exactly what you're gonna do. I mean, that's not quite as fun, right? One of the things that we see in underdog is just the extreme deflation of tight end ADPs. And so you have a shot at some guys that we like late. And I think that is a good way to do it. But one of Blair's underdog workshops this season focuses on how tight end is the key to winning best ball mania three. And one of the things that he looks at with that is this combination of the way an elite tight end in all likelihood will help us more in 2022 than it did last year in 2021. The thing that I talk about in the article here is that having that elite tight end makes it much easier to have a 2 tight end approach as opposed to a 3 tight end approach. And specifically in hyperfragile, that seems to help. And again, there are reasons why that would be the case because when you've begun your draft with this three running back early start, then you do leave yourself sort of chasing everywhere else. And one of the ways you can chase and actually catch up is to create an extra roster spot by only going with two tight end. So it appears that it has a bigger impact with this particular build and the logic follows there as well. Then the other point that Blair has made and that connor always feels very strongly about when i draft with him and i every once in a while i'm encouraging him to to draft uh either to pass on an elite tight end or to draft a third tight end late and and he's very adamant that that we want to go with the elite tight ends is that someone like a travis kelsey who had a poor playoff advance rate last year still had a fantastic semi-advance rate because he's one of only a handful of guys who can really put up a difference making score at that position once you're in the fantasy playoffs so You look at someone like a Travis Kelsey who maybe had a poor playoff advance rate last year and think, well, I don't necessarily want to go into 2022 and draft a bunch of teams that have a lesser chance of making the playoffs. And yet, if you're doing a lot of other things with your builds that increase your own personal chances, if your player profiles that you're attacking are better than average, if your overall constructions are better than average, then you're gonna be able to mitigate some of that now you know, you could argue on the other side that, well, if you did all those things and then also didn't draft Travis Kelsey, then you would come out ahead. But one of the things that we're talking about is how can we manage both elements? And there's just no question that the elite tight end gives us that single week scoring punch that we really want in tournaments. And then kind of to finish off this look at the elite tight ends, I want to mention Michael Dubner, who's done just so much great best ball research. He's got a fantastic tool that you can use to help track your teams know check in with him on twitter if that is of interest to you but he talks about the silver bullet approach which is an absolute must read article anybody who hasn't make sure you get in and do that and it focuses on the tight end position or one of the focuses because it is the overall silver bullet approach it will teach you how top to bottom to build the perfect best ball team and he says after being the dominant tight end best ball roster construction every year since 2017 elite tight end had its first losing season in 2021 Because there are just a handful of tight ends drafted in rounds one through four per year, elite tight ends are more dependent on the results of individual players compared to other roster constructions that have more options within the filter range. If I had to bet 2021 is the outlier year and we should expect the elite tight ends to provide an advantage again in 2022, I'm drafting elite tight ends whenever I can. Elite tight ends are one of the silver bullets to best ball success. And so you kind of look at that. 2017 to 2021 overall and you see the elite tight end win rate at 10.8 percent far far higher than any other approach which you know are basically all treading water last year that was just 7.2 which shows that big contrast the previous three years it had all been above 11 percent or higher but then you think about what actually happened last year and even then whether or not elite tight end was the successful approach or not depended on whether mark andrews would have been considered an elite tight end by ADP in your preferred game. I mean, Mark Andrews was the entire key to last season. And so when we're looking at the types of players who are going to create a field tilting advantage and put you in a position to have a tournament juggernaut, that player is going to be crucial. And I think especially here, it's a great fit with your hyper-fragile approach. And especially because, again, this is something that is going to be used very rarely By other hyper fragile drafters because once they have those three early running backs they feel like they're chasing so much at wide receiver that they give up on the onesie positions
2: yeah and something i love when we do shows like this sean is sometimes people hear zero rb and they think just no no running backs and sometimes you hear about a hyper fragile team and they think oh it's all running backs why is sean and colin doing that but the key is these elements that stack up on top of each other to give you a better chance of winning it also gives you the chance when you're wrong that your roster will still be good and be able to compete funnily enough the comments on some of the youtube videos sean when we talk about tight ends tend to be like or what what was the biggest mistake of that draft it it tends to be you don't need to take a tight end that early i can get tight ends and you know, round 12 through 15 that are going to be able to outscore those on a weekly basis. And like, that's just not true. And it's the same as the thing you mentioned earlier with wide receivers being deep. Wide receivers aren't deep. That is just simply not true. So the expectation, Sean, the thing I always think when I see or hear things like that is, there's still an edge to be had there because the consensus is that those things exist just to give a quick rundown through what we kind of talked about and you obviously can find sean's article in today's show notes i'd highly recommend giving it a full read it is very in depth sean this is one of i'm just going to check this is probably one of your longest ones over the last two to three months i would
3: imagine Uh, in in terms of the the time it took to write that, that you and i talked about in one of the uh Sort of. Well, I mean, this was obviously a football topic, but on the the non-football Q and A,
2: that's a bit of a spoiler alert. That show hasn't uh, come out to next week, but uh, in terms of the length and the the time,
3: yeah, I mean this this one did take a lot. There were a lot of different moving pieces. It was fun as well. In the introduction, I described putting together a hyper fragile team as. Juggling with knives because you have to manage the pitfalls of the dead zone, hardest the upside of running back flex options and half PPR, construct a roster with the right balance to win a major tournament. And doing all of those while hitting the other key pieces of a hyper fragile build is something of a high wire act. And then obviously that makes it an absolute blast. So this did take a while to put together when you're also breaking down two separate teams, 18 players each, that doesn't happen instantly. And so one of the things that we've been trying to do with the draft shows that I think is a lot of fun is to give listeners a window into the process. Obviously the things that happen in the show itself and the things that we have time to talk about during the draft are, somewhat limited compared to what the actual preparation for these drafts is when you look at the articles and the discussions that happen you know back behind the scenes, but that part of it is fun. And we get to look at what some of the trade-offs are going to be when we're on the clock and taking this player versus that player. You then go back and want to make sure you are evaluating your own teams. If there's a mistake that you've made, That you can remedy that and that part of it contrasting a couple of teams and then trying to place it within the context of all of these other elements with hyper fragile and to to make sure that you're presenting the information accurately and not overstating something simply because it would be fun to say oh you know you'll win all your leagues if you play it this way i mean there are so many things that give you a huge advantage i do think that you can turn best ball into You know something of a a money machine but you want to be patient and you want to be restrained in terms of how you think about any individual decision being the one that's going to to make or break you to be successful with best ball you have to make a lot of good decisions and you have to again continue to stack them up over a long period of time and then once you do that and you track your teams during the season it tends to be a lot of fun because the results are there and when we're talking about underdog and looking at how you play this format, it's not just based on 2021, right? Which is one of the reasons that we do talk about the overall shape of tight end scoring over the last five years, as opposed to just last season. One of the things that ends up being exploitable in these formats, and you mentioned this element where you know, people say, oh, we can just get those at same tight end scoring later. I mean, you have to be very careful, after the top tight ends are gone because there are such great options late. And one of the things that's been tricky for me as I discuss it with some of my co-managers as we go through is that I, I am kind of pulled in the direction of really wanting to hit some of those late guys because I, I mean, I agree in in many cases that the late tight end value is extreme and yet that's within context, right? Because the vast majority of those guys are simply going to be dead spots on the roster that do nothing for you if you end up getting only your own guys then not only do you not have a ton of diversification but you do have to start reaching to make sure you get them because once you have waited till the very end you know if you miss on your tight ends then suddenly you're completely out of luck and by continually reaching you're not going to have good adp values there now how important is that at the very end of drafts i would say probably not that much actually because there are three or four tight ends that are undervalued by about four rounds if you reach by six picks that's not going to hurt you (laughs) so again it depends though on on if they come through if all of the other drafters who have pushed their adps down to that range are actually right then obviously you're going to lose on it and if those players struggle with injuries then you're going to lose on it so you have to take all the things those things into consideration and column it's just 2022 has been so much fun drafting with you drafting with connor drafting with ben drafting and getting to interact with all of the great best ball minds over at Rotoviz. i'm just really proud of the guys and the information that they're putting out
2: yeah it's been awesome and i I mentioned and i teased it there a couple of times the the pieces and the shows with connor if you haven't checked those out head over and check them out on the road of his best ball feed uh, a couple of shows in the can as they say in the business but i also did a best ball mini three draft with connor this past uh, weekend and that posted on monday on the best ball channel so you can check out that as well get some of his player thoughts obviously the the stuff we are talking about with him on the, the weekly series is kind of uh more theoretical rather than player based but we also put that into into play with the draft as well, so do check that out. Myself and Sean will be doing more drafts, it is an exciting time. I'm we're into August, Sean, and it feels like it's just about to really go pretty uh, manic here over the next uh, four to six weeks. So, looking forward to it, it should be a really fun time. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to today's show. If you are drafting over at Underdog Fantasy, remember you can use that code ROTOVIS to get a 100% sign up bonus up on till $100. If you want to sign up for a rotoviz nfl pass and get access to all of connor's work all of sean's work all of the tools up on the website you can do that and get yourself a 10 percent discount with the code rbradio 2022 at checkout that it would be i think a very very smart decision but but until we are back with another show on thursday my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtim you can obviously check out sean's work including today's piece on rotoviz.com until we're back with that show have a good one